1: Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Becky Olson. I'm a four time, 21 year breast cancer survivor. I'm also a motivational speaker and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. And Sharon is still off today. I'm a, we talked last week about the fact that she was back in New York helping her daughter, Chelsea, who's going through a cancer diagnosis at age 33. And Sharon's back there helping Chelsea, and I'm not sure when she'll be back, but I'm hoping pretty soon. So before we get on with our program today, though, I do want to kind of share a thought. Um, you know, I did announce last week that you know, as my as a fourth time, four time survivor. Um, I got the notice from or the call from my doctor last week saying that that the scan, the last scan I had came back clean. The cancer that they found behind my breastbone near my chest wall that was there eight years ago and came back was gone. And it's just and there's no other evidence of cancer in my body. And my son Micah called me the cancer slayer, which of course I love that title. It really made me laugh. And while I love that title, I was asked a very serious question from somebody recently. She's a very sweet friend named Mary. And Mary asked me, how is it that I can stay so positive with each diagnosis where others struggle so much? And well, Mary, to that and to the listeners, I have to say, I'm I'm really not always that positive. I cry. I hurt. I vent. I do whatever is normal in a situation like that, just like everyone else. I even throw an occasional pity party. The trick there is just don't stay too long at that party. But what helps me get away from that party is I look inward and I ask myself, what am I supposed to learn from this? I recently wrote a blog post called Dancing with Mortality. It's on Olson.com, selfish selfish plug there. Um, but it, I wrote that, Dancing with Mortality, right after my fourth diagnosis. And in that, I talked about the lessons in the dance and Honestly, to answer Mary's question, the greatest lesson and the thing that helps me the most is to understand that things happen to us, they happen for us, and they happen around us all the time. But it's not the thing that happens that defines who we are. I am not a cancer victim, it's what we do with the things that happen. I am a cancer survivor. I chose to be one from the beginning of each of my four diagnoses. And that doesn't mean that being a survivor, that I'm going to beat it every time. In fact, after four battles, I'm not ignorant to the fact and the possibility that this may be what takes me someday, you know, eventually. But it won't be today. And today, I'm going to do all I can to beat it forever and live my life as though I already have. I'm not going to sit around and wait for cancer to overcome me. My body will tell me when it's time. And until then I've learned that my mind and my spirit are more powerful than I ever thought possible. They are what keep me going. And your mind and your spirit are powerful tools. Use them. It's amazing what can follow. And on that note, I'm going to introduce our amazing guest today, and I know she shared with me that, you know, the these these bugs that go around families this time of year <laughs> Her husband shared a bug with her, so we're going to do our best, aren't we? (laughs) This is Katie. We have Katie Madden with us today. She and her husband have lived in Alaska for over 35 years. In fact, they live in Fairbanks, and I was born there. Not very many people know that. She had to go out of state for treatment and for reconstruction as there were no plastic surgeons in Alaska, and Katie is going to share her journey and tell us about a new product that made her reconstructive process much easier Welcome, Katie. And if you need to stop and take a drink of water, we're okay with that. So, Okay, thank you very much. We're Um, really happy to have you. Why don't you take a minute and tell us about yourself, you know, just share a little bit about your background, how you got to
2: Alaska, you know, all that kind of stuff. Our our audience would love to Uh, know who you are. Okay, yeah, my name is Katie Madden. I just uh, turned 63. I've lived in Alaska since 1979. I actually met my husband up there. Um, I'm a registered nurse, um, and I worked at the hospital for over 20 years. Um, the last uh, work that I've been doing is managing my husband's dental practice, um, which I have done up until I got my diagnosis a year ago. Um, and I like to say that my um, breast cancer journey started about a year and a half ago when my sister-in-law and I were talking about how wonderful it would be to take our entire family on a trip down the Grand Canyon. So I come from a very large family and we all have lots of children and so um, that was the goal was to go down the Grand Canyon this in 2017.
1: Fun. Yeah, which okay. Did.
2: And as Yay. I go through this story I will tell you more about that but Um, That was what I call the beginning of my breast cancer story. (laughs)
1: Okay, (laughs) Uh, that's an an interesting place to start one because that's not usually the case. So why would that be the beginning of your breast cancer story?
2: Well, because that trip was planned. um, We had all of our children who are all adults now had gotten their time off work. We had put deposits down on this trip. There was 22 of us that had committed to go, wow. and so that was, we did that in, oh, the fall of last year, and then in, in, um, on December 6th of 2017, I went in for my routine mammogram, and um, they said there was a suspicious area, they needed to do a biopsy, I got the biopsy, um, And because I had had a family history of breast cancer, uh, my mother had been 41 when she was diagnosed. My grandmother had had breast cancer. So they said, well, let's Mm. just do an MRI to be sure. So the first um, biopsy I had came back as a one centimeter uh, triple negative. And so when they did the MRI, they found two more tumors. So I ended up with... Two tumors in my right breast, one was one centimeter, one was one point five centimeter, and they were both triple negative, and the one in my left breast was um, about a half a centimeter, but it was e r positive and her two positive
3: oh
1: isn't that so, interesting? So one side yeah. was triple negative and, and the other one was was not that's right. i mean i've heard of that like, like on a recurrence, but i I guess i hadn't heard of that. All at the same time. That's. Can I clarify something with you, though? You said December yeah. of 2017 is when you were diagnosed. So just a little over a month no. ago. No,
2: no, no. January 20... of January of 2017.
1: Okay. I'm sorry okay, if great. I said December. Thank you. Yeah, January. Yeah, it's okay. I might have heard it wrong. You know, it's chemo brain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Blame a lot on um, that. You know, it's okay. So, wow, that's interesting. So, what? Now you lived in Fairbanks at this time, correct? Right. When all when all this was going on. So. Your journey kind of got interesting. So tell us about your the frame of mind. What what kind of went through your head when when you were doing that when you're getting all these this this information?
2: Well, of course, being a nurse and um, knowing how to do a lot of research, I I immediately you know my wheels started working in my little brain and um, I realized that this was not a normal situation. Um, <clears throat> My husband and I have a home in Arizona, but because they're both working, we don't get to spend much time in Arizona, but we were planning on coming down on January 27th just for a 10-day vacation. And so I had seen the oncologist and the surgeon in Fairbanks, um, and they were trying to get a plan together. Um, I said, well, I want to get a second opinion because... This wasn't a normal breast cancer situation. I mean, having the different kinds, um, you know, they did the genetic testing. They said, you know, I was not a bracket carrier. Um, but anyway, I decided I would go ahead and get a second opinion down in, in Tucson um, when okay. we came down here. And there is not a plastic surge. I mean, the surgeon had talked to me about reconstruction and how it would be done without having a plastic surgeon available in Fairbanks. And so I knew I would need to go somewhere else to have the reconstruction done. Um, Having lived with my mother for 50 years, my mother's 92. Oh my gosh. That's great. She still drives. She still shops. She still plays cards. Um, But having watched her without having reconstruction, I knew that I did not want to live the rest of my life without at least attempting to have reconstruction done. Sure. Yeah, and it's um, a it's a tough choice for some people, but you know, for I,
1: I totally get it. I mean, I've had reconstruction. A lot of a lot of women do. It's a very personal choice, and there's no right or wrong. It's just what what you need, and that's right. that's great that you were able to
2: recognize that, and you know, yeah. So carry on. Sorry. (laughs) So anyway, I came down to Tucson and um, the treatment plan that the oncologist gave me was very aggressive. And um, his comment to me was, we are going for a cure. And at that, I said, yes, I want to go for a cure. I am a very active person. I have a lot of life to live and that was, I mean, that sort of sold me on having my treatment down in Arizona. Also, the fact that the surgeons were down here um, and I would be in the sunshine where in Alaska in, in January, February, it was going to be <laughs> extremely dark and extremely cold and yeah. I would not be able to get outside if I felt like I could go out and take a walk and try to keep active. So it Oh, was I sort totally of been, get that. My mom said, I was born in
1: December in Fairbanks, and my mom said it was 62 degrees below zero that day, and it's yeah. like, huh, I can't even imagine living in that, yeah, and then trying to get out and get some fresh air. Yeah, I don't blame you.
2: Right. That's 32 below there today. I just talked to my husband, because I'm down <laughs> in Arizona right now. Um, so anyway, that was, uh, that was how that all came about, and Not really knowing what this chemo was going to entail, um, my chemo was going to be what they called dose-dense chemotherapy. It was the adriamycin, cytoxin, carboplatin, and taxol. So I had really, you know, difficult chemo that I was going to be going through. My last chemo was going to be on May 19th. My Grand Canyon trip started on May 23rd. I was bound and determined. I was going to be on that. I was not going to miss this opportunity with my family.
1: Wow! So good for you. That's that was that's
2: incredible. My chemo.
1: Yes. (laughs) So you know, because those are. I mean, I've been on three of those drugs. I didn't do carboplatin, but I've done adriamycin a couple times. I've done tax taxol. The last time I've done the. um, the cytotoxin. I've done all of those and their adriamycin is called the Red Devil and there's a reason for it. It's really tough stuff. And for you there to be able isn't. to go on a Grand Canyon trip five days five days after? Uh, that's pretty yeah, amazing. Yeah. That, yeah. That's pretty amazing. Good for it just goes to show you what the human spirit can do. You know? Good for you.
2: I wasn't the most chipper person on the trip. I'll tell you. You're that. allowed. I went. <laughs> it's okay. I went.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and uh, did all twenty-two family members make it? We
2: all made it, and wow. everybody was extremely helpful to me during that time.
1: Oh, uh, I yes, got
2: goosebumps was, just now. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, it was it was
1: an amazing trip. So you know, I've seen the Grand Canyon by helicopter. Um, we did that out of Vegas one time, and that was that was pretty cool. But uh, how did you guys? Did you? How did you tour it?
2: I'm um, we you were, didn't we rafted, I... we did an eight day raft trip <gasps> are you um, kidding me? That is so no. strenuous yeah no it was uh, it was a great it was it was really a great trip, and I highly recommend that to anybody that thinks they would be interested in that'cause it was it was really fun so no, no. Fun was the
1: helicopter ride. We landed. <laughs> we landed. They poured us champagne and gave us pastries. You know, I mean, it was, that was fun. Eight days on a raft in the Grand Canyon. I, maybe that's fun for some, but for me, that sounds like torture. But that's okay. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Know?
2: No. Good it was for really you. Fun. So, are you kind of an outdoorsy gal anyway? So, is this- Yeah, I am. We've had a very outdoor life in Alaska, and um, that's that's just what we do. We get out and yeah. cross country ski and hike and bike and. Um, we have a boat down in Prince William Sound, and we go down there and go fishing. And so,
1: oh, that's so that is so great. Well, Katie, that yeah. that's you know, and that's probably a big part of why you're successful in this journey too. Um, so let's let's keep going. Why did you decide you did the double mastectomy? Did they talk about things like um, you know, lumpectomies or any of those things, or did you just go right straight for mastectomy?
2: No, they, you know, with my initial diagnosis of the one tumor, they said, oh, we'll just do a lumpectomy, um, a little radiation and you'll be done. And then as the biopsy results came in, the MRI, there was no choice for me, but to do bilateral mastectomies. I, I had to do that, um, uh, at that point, um, it was not an option. My cancer, my triple negative cancer was also lobular. Um, so uh, I don't know if people understand the difference between the lobules and the duct, ductal um, kind, but you know, the lobular sort of th- that spreads out. That's where the milk is produced in your breast. And right. so they're kind of like, I picture them like a hand and fingers, you know, they kind of spread out all over. So they, and it was invasive. So it you know it just really wasn't an option i mean yeah that makes every sense the doctor i saw said no you do not have an option you've got to yeah. go with bilateral mastectomy so that was well it's that a logical it's a
1: logical decision it seems to me mm-hmm. and so how so where did you where did you actually have the bulk of your treatment. Was it in Tucson then? Or did the diagnosis happened in, I'm just trying to get everything straight in my head. Diagnosis happened in Alaska, but the treatment mostly took place in Tucson. Is that right? The,
2: the treatment was all in Tucson. Um, okay. Yes. And, you know, that was hard. My husband was still working. He came down every two to three weeks to be with me. I had friends that came down as caregivers. I do have a brother and sister-in-law here. And my mother is here also, so I oh, did helpful. have a lot of support, yeah. um, but it just, um, because of the, what I was offered for my chemo here, I decided that that was probably the best option for me. Um, well, the, and how long did that uh, treatment last then, just the
1: actual, not the reconstruction, but just the treatment part? How long did that the last? The
2: treatment was four and a half months.
1: Okay. Every two weeks. So, okay. Um, and the, yeah.
2: And the every... Every two-week part, was that was a bit challenging because usually from what people have told me that are on the three-week chemo, they usually have a pretty good week that third week and yeah. then start back into it again. But because of, because of the aggressiveness of my cancer, I was put mm-hmm. on what they call the dose dense every two weeks. Yeah, um, I, I I've done both of those. I my
1: first time through, I did every three weeks, and then the second time through, they had um, well they had, had developed new lasto, which kind of helps jumpstart your your, right. meti- your your bone marrow and all that. So I was able to do every two weeks, but that doesn't come without some consequences. I understand. No. Listen, we're going to yeah. go out to break, so um, okay. we do need to do that right now because we've got some sponsors that need to be heard. So stay with us. We'll be back in a minute.
3: A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at BreastFriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit BreastFriends.org and contribute today.
4: When a woman is diagnosed with cancer, she faces unique challenges. No one understands this better than the experts at Compass Oncology. Our women's cancer program includes a team of specialists in breast and gynecologic cancers, genetic testing, and the ongoing care of women with high risk factors. From targeted therapies and clinical trials to needed emotional support, Compass is a leader in treating women's cancer. Find out more at compassoncology.com.
3: When was the last time you felt...
2: Opinions, options, answers.
3: Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned
0: into Pressed Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back to our program. We've been talking with our guest, Katie Madden. And Katie was just sharing with us that she did her treatment in Tucson. It took four months. She did every two weeks, which is a really big dose. And that's just not a lot of recovery time in the two weeks. So, Katie, why don't you share with our audience, what was your experience like through that treatment process?
2: Well, I um, my the first the first uh, two months were with the Adriamycin cytoxin, mm-hmm. and um, as I said, my husband was commuting back and forth, and he is my pillar of strength. So um, he would come down, um, get me through the, my my um, infusion, and stay with me for a couple of days. Initially, I did not. I thought I was going to get sick. Immediately, but I didn't really get sick until the really about the third day is when it really would hit me hard. Mm-hmm. Um, very frightening for me. I didn't realize how sick I was going to get, how I wasn't going to be able to eat. Um, I didn't realize, you know, the major fluid shifts that were going to go on in my body. I mean, I would gain eight pounds every time, eight to nine pounds every time I had the chemo, which is Huge amounts of fluid, Um, and then you know, you and you know,
1: you know what's really weird about that, Katie. What's, what was really weird about that and, and kind of disappointing to me is that you always talk about weight loss you know people on chemo get get thin because of all the all of the vomiting and all that stuff right you know that was the one if there was a silver lining that was the one I was kind of looking forward to <laughs> and, yeah but I had the opposite effect I kind of like you is probably you know swelling from all these things but it's like where's this weight loss I don't yeah I don't get it yeah so that was disappointing in that regard but anyway, but that kind of swelling isn't good for you for so many reasons. But yeah, that must have been hard. To, yeah, that to go. was
2: hard. And then you know, and then you, then you'd eliminate all these fluids. You know, so I would be up, and I, I, I really didn't understand that that was going to happen. There was a lot of things that I didn't understand. I didn't, you know, initially I didn't know I could go into the clinic and get additional IV fluids when I got dehydrated. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, by the time I was at the end of all my chemo, I would just automatically schedule to go in every day um, to get IV fluids because it really made me feel a lot better. I tried to drink as much as I could, but you you can only get in so much fluid. Yeah. Um, so I was pretty darn sick uh, for the first two months. Um, of course, that doesn't immediately go out of your system, so then the next... When I started on the next combination of the carboplatin and Taxol, um, by the end of that, I was not quite as sick, which is the only reason I was able to go on a Grand Canyon trip because I was, you know, at least able to um, function a little bit better. Um, still very tired. Took um, through my whole chemo. I napped oh, I took probably three naps a day for at least two hours each time. Mm -hmm. Hard to do Um, that on a raft, though, I'm sure. Yeah, (laughs) it was, but they were, I mean, everybody was so good. I would get into camp, and they'd set up my cot, and I could lay Mm -hmm. down and just rest, so. Yeah, wow. Um, Well, listen, before we run
1: out of time, because, you know, there's just so much to talk about, and this this isn't an an almost hour-long show, but I don't want to lose sight of, part of the reason we're doing this today. Um, Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about reconstruction because I know being from Alaska and having to go to Tucson for treatment, you made a reconstruction decision. Mm -hmm. And what was the decision you made and how did you, why did you choose that one? Why don't we just kind of get right into that?
2: Okay. So, um, you know, everybody that lives in Fairbanks uh, lives for the summertime, which are just magnificent. And um, since my treatment was over, the Grand Canyon trip was done on June 3rd, I was really ready to go home. And of course, during my treatment, I'd been talking to the breast surgeon and also to the plastic surgeon, and I knew I wanted to have reconstruction. And I said to the plastic surgeon, so you know, how am I going to get my expanders inflated, traditional expanders inflated in Alaska when I don't have a plastic surgeon in Fairbanks and it's 360 miles to to Anchorage. And he kind of looked at me puzzled and said, wow, I was just at a conference and they were talking about these air expanders. It's this new expander that has a CO2 cartridge in the expander itself um, which, which self-inflates, you know, you, you control it, but it self-inflates. And, you know, being a nurse, I'm like, I don't want you to try something brand new on me. <laughs> but, um,
3: he assured but on the
2: other me, hand, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he assured me that putting in an expander of this sort is no different than putting in any other expander.
1: So let and me ask you a question so, on that first before, before you go on. Why did you decide that, because there are, so many, there are so many reconstructive options, you know, with flaps and all these things. Why did you choose to go with implants? Um, what was your thought process?
2: Because I don't, I mean, and I didn't really explore a lot of them, but I don't have a lot of, I mean, I'm somewhat thin anyway. And so there's not, there was not a lot that, they would have been able to move up and do the flaps. That makes and, sense. Okay. And he just said, this is probably your best option. Okay. And for me, it was really an easy... It, my whole process was very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, he, he said, you know, with these new expanders, you can go home to Alaska. You have a wand. I mean, the only thing I can compare it to is like a wand that you would use to turn on a ceiling fan, you know, okay. it's a little handheld device. Mm-hmm. Um, you hold it over your breast or over the expander. Um, and when all the lights light up, there's five lights that light up, you push a button and it, it, um, opens a valve on the CO2 cartridge, the carbon dioxide cartridge that's in the expander itself, and it inflates 10 cc's of CO2. Now, from what I understand, and I did not have a traditional one done, or, and I don't know a lot about them, but from what I understand, most women have to go into the clinic yes. and have 50 cc's, which is five times the amount inject of saline injected into the expander once a week. 50 cc's, when you think about a medicine cup being 30 cc's, 50 cc's is a pretty big bolus to have injected at any one time.
1: Yeah, um, and you know, to add to that, I, when I had my implants, the first time, my first attempt at reconstruction was, was implants, and this was, you know, after I did radiation. And it, that side, that right side that had the radiation, you know, prior to all of that, it just didn't expand very well. So we were limited on how much we could even put in. So I had to go, I had to go more often, you know, and just take less because it it hurts so much. And, you know, and just, just a real quick thing for our audience members who might be listening and not really understanding. When you do implants, the first thing they do is they put in these expanders that look, they're just like round, flat balloons, kind of. They're hard, you know, they're very firm shaped, not hard, like hard plastic, but they're just firm. And they, they put it behind your muscle wall because the breast tissue is gone so they put it behind the muscle wall and they're flat when you start but then over time they just slowly expand them so that your muscle will stretch out with it and then when you get it finally fully uh-huh. expanded they take the expanders out and put the implants in and these expanders are big and round and they're very uncomfortable I think because they expand the tissue under your armpit I mean they're they're it's really trying to make as much room for an implant as possible and so do these do these ex- expanders, Katie, do they, are they kind of the same shape and same idea? You're just expanding them differently?
2: Yes. So they were very hard. Uh, and okay. um, that, that part I, was a bit shocking to me because I didn't realize they were going to be as hard as they were. Um, yes. And, and so when I would expand, the beauty of these Aeroform is that it's only 10 cc's and it's all controlled by this device. So if I wanted to expand more, I could expand up to three times a day. I couldn't do more than that, and I could only do it once every three hours. So it's all set up and programmed into this device that you're holding. You just hold this thing over your breast and push this okay. button. Um, so we won't allow I, you to
1: do more than three a day. I mean, that's it. It's, it's that's programmed. It. Okay. Three a day. Well, and that'll, so that, that's probably helpful at times.
2: Yeah, if you're comfortable, you can do more. If you're, I mean, you can do up to three times a day. If you're mm-hmm. uncomfortable, you just skip it. Um, I was actually, um, I actually wanted to have smaller breasts than what I had before, so um, I it took me only one month to do my expansion, and I would expand. I expanded almost every day. 10 cc's is all I put in. I just did it once a day. Okay. Um, And then after I got to full expansion of what I wanted, then he wanted me to wait two to three months for the complete stretching of of the muscle before I had my surgery. But it was so convenient. I mean, we could go down to Valdez on our boat. I could expand down there. We went down to Denali Park to visit my son where he was working. I could take him down there and expand down there. It was very, very convenient um, to be able to do this process on your own, at your own convenience, um, at your own comfort level. I mean, people have told me they had to take pain medication when they would go in and get expanded at the doctor's office. I never had to take any pain medication. I mean... No, it wasn't always comfortable, but it was not, I mean, I didn't even take ibuprofen or Tylenol. I mean, I didn't need to take anything.
1: Well, that's Um, great. And, you know, being able to expand at the pace you want to and, you know, being able to go so slow, but doing it every day instead of once a week getting this huge amount, you know, that really had to help with with that process. So uh, that just makes so much sense, for, especially for someone who just isn't near a facility that can, that can do that for you. That is just, this is great. I love, I love this.
2: Right. Um, So, you know, I left, I left home, uh, I mean, I left Tucson the 1st of June. I did not see my doctor. Well, let's see. Then then I had my, um, well, then, all right. So I had my um, expanders put in um, the 27th of June. mm -hmm. Um, And then I did not see my doctor for my re- final reconstruction until the 1st of October. So when you think about all the visits that a person with a normal expander will have to be going into the doctor's office every week for these boluses of um, fluid, you know, I didn't, I didn't have to do that. I mean, I never saw him again until I went in for my final surgery. So that was pretty convenient for, I think, him and for me. Um, are there are there risk factors that
1: that would kind of warrant some kind of monitoring this process? Anything they told you um, to look for if there was a problem, you know, how would you know if anything went wrong?
2: Well, I guess you would know if it if it um would suddenly expand, but I mean, I think it's so well controlled um when I was in the OR, they did give me a couple, uh, I mean, they expanded me a couple of times in the OR to make sure everything was working right, and then when I had my final checkup before I left to go back to Alaska, um, we did it in the doctor's office to make sure that it was, um, you know, not going to change. Uh, I mean, it, it was going to inflate okay and, and okay. Um, not have any problems, so... okay. Um, the only thing they do say is that they, when you fly, that they will expand like mm-hmm. a bag of potato chips will expand if you take an unopened oh. bag of potato chips <laughs> on the plane. I've done was, that. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty concerned about that. So yeah. I was going to do a bunch of expansion before I left. But I also took a couple of trips during the summer where I was on airplanes and I, I really didn't have... Much problem with that. It, it was a big concern of mine, but it turned out to not be an issue.
1: Okay, I'm so. going to ask a really dumb question, and you're probably going to laugh at me. But is there any way, if you if you do pump and you get to the 10 cc's, and you realize this hurts too much and you can't deal with it, is there any way to let any of it out? No. No. Okay. I, I mean, thank I, you for not laughing.
2: <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, No, not that I'm aware of. And they may have something that they can override in the doctor's office, but I'm not aware of that. Okay. Um, Well, let me ask you this question. You said that
1: when the doctor first mentioned to you about this new product that he heard about at this conference, and your first reaction to that was, I don't want to try something that's an experiment. What made you change your mind? Or how did he get you to change your mind?
2: um, Well, just because he reassured me that putting this expander in was no different than putting in a traditional expander. And so, I mean, that sort of sold me on it. The sales rep did come down from um, um, Phoenix also and mm-hmm. talked to me at great lengths about it. Um, I was the first person in Tucson to get this kind of expander. And that's something else I should probably mention these expanders have been used in Australia since 2014. They oh, were wow. just approved in the United States by the FDA in December of 2016. Oh, I wow. had mine put in in June of 2017. So they had only been being used in the U.S. in 2000, I mean, in for six months. So wow. there's not a lot of places that are using them yet. And I have a, um, my husband's cousin was just diagnosed. She mentioned it to her doctor about these. And he said, yes, I've heard about them, but I'm not interested in doing them. So, okay, you know, so it's,
1: it's, yeah, it's kind of scary to be sort of first, you know, to try something. But on the other hand, if it, if it's a good thing, you're kind of part of the pioneer team that, you know, is making this, making this become some become known and hopefully, you know, through our show. And we do get about 10, between 10 and 15,000 downloads, or not downloads, um, on-demand listeners a month to all of our various shows. And, you know, hopefully people will listen to this and, and at least see that there's another option. We're not, you know, Breast Friends doesn't promote any products really but we do like to you know raise the the points and there are a lot of people that would probably benefit from this who live far away from their clinic and maybe they don't have to go as far as an airplane trip but maybe it's a three-hour drive and you know that's that's a hard thing to do um sometimes so this is a really nice option listen we're going to go out to break katie so uh stay tuned with us and we'll be back in a minute
2: into a healthier you voice america health and wellness
0: thank you for listening today breast friends needs your support we rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive please consider making a tax-deductible donation to breast friends you can visit us at breastfriends.org you can also like us on facebook at breast friends of oregon be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit BreastFriends.org and contribute
4: today. When a woman is diagnosed with cancer, she faces unique challenges. No one understands this better than the experts at Compass Oncology. Our Women's Cancer Program includes a team of specialists in breast and gynecologic cancers, genetic testing, and the ongoing care of women with high-risk factors. From targeted therapies and clinical trials to needed emotional support, Compass is a leader in treating women's cancer. Find out more at compassoncology.com.
3: When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again. With the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless.
2: Opinions, options, answers. Voice America health and wellness.
1: Welcome back to our show. We've been talking about Aeroform, which is a new process for breast expansion, with our guest Katie Madden. So, Katie, this is really this is gr- great content, and I I kind of want to go back to um, something that we didn't really cover anything at all about the cost of this product. You know, I know it's new. You said the FDA just approved it in December of 2016, so it's been barely out for a year in this country. And sometimes that that kind of newness comes with restrictions and things like insurance funding and is it still considered experimental or is it is it a done deal and you know, how does that the cost is
2: how did that work for you? Well, I asked my I asked a plastic surgeon about that and he assured me that this is was going to be covered. Um, it is the same coating as a regular. If anybody understands anything about medical coding, I'm sure you've heard that term. But it's mm-hmm. coated the same way as a regular expander. The difference is is that these, at this point, cost about twice as much as a regular expander. So somebody is going to have to eat that cost, and that is most likely going to be. The hospital or the clinic where you have these put in, Um, so it's going to be a little bit more expensive to them, but they really cannot pass that on to the patient.
3: Um,
1: And so, and then of course you're not going you're not going back every week either, so there may be a little bit of loss in revenue to them as well. well,
2: My plastic surgeon told me that he never charges when you go back in to have um, uh, the expanders expanded. Okay, but it's doctor time. I mean, it's got to take them fifteen minutes at least. I would think to go in there and have it expanded by the time you check in and you know mm-hmm. do everything you have to do. So it actually frees them up in their oh, office that's good. quite a bit
1: more. And you know, so, now that you, you say know, that, I think that I think that was my experience as well. Is that I didn't even I wasn't even the doctor that did them. Sometimes it was the nurses, and so I okay. don't think I even paid for. I think you're right. I think those were just considered freebies. But yeah. um, so it costs and, twice as much, but insurance does cover it the same. And and so there's a lot of probably a lot of write offs is what's happening that you're right. That you're talking exactly. About. Okay.
2: And, you know, okay. something else I want to just, I mean, another little um, bit of information I want to put in because I did not know this, but um, insurance is required to cover all reconstruction for breast cancer patients, including nipple tattooing. If you cho- choose to have a nipple reconstruction or a nipple tattoo, insurance will pay t- for that if you go to a um, medical facility that, that does that, which that's I true. was not aware of that at the time. Uh-huh. So I think okay. that's important to for women to know about that too.
1: Yeah, and you know, the other thing, just while we're on that topic for just a moment, if you only have one side... Um, reconstructed due to cancer, but now you've got uneven breasts, insurance is also required to bring symmetry. So they can either make the other one smaller or um, try to make the other one larger, but to do something to make them match. And that law was passed in 1998. We actually had the, the author of that that bill, um, and she had Bill Clinton sign it into legislation or into law. And she was actually a guest on one of our shows sometime last year. I don't remember the date, but oh, um, yeah. So the, yeah, they have to bring symmetry, which is yeah, you know, I th- I think that that was a new concept. I think for a lot of a lot of women. So um, so right. that's all good. Well, let me ask you. We're going to switch gears again for just a moment. Um, I know you've been a very active person, and I remember going through my expanders and that process and. I was in so much pain partly because of the radiation, and I don't want to scare anybody. Everyone's different. Um, I just had a lot of radiation because I had stage 3 breast cancer right out of the chute. And, you know, so it was really intense, and I didn't have my um, implants input until 8 years later, and by then everything was pretty tight and set, you know, so it was a really tough process for me. And every time I went in, my doctor... It would hurt so much that I did have to take some kind of of pain relief. And when he finally took him out and put the implants in, he says, well, no wonder you were so, you hurt so much because my rib cage had been kind of pushing in. Every time he would expand me, I'd push in more than out. So it was interesting. But again, that is not meant to scare anybody that I was kind of the anomaly here. Um, But you, as a very outdoorsy, active person, did this interfere
2: with any of that? You know, once I got through my chemo, no, I was able to, um, you know, to do my normal activities. Of course, you know, you've got restrictions with your surgery. I did have my mastectomies. When I had my mastectomies done, they immediately put in the expander. So I had that done all at one time. And I will say that was done on outpatient surgery. I was at the clinic for six hours. Um, you know that is such a or- it's
1: such a smart idea if you can do that and I and <laughs> part of that the reason for that is when you wake up from a double mastectomy and you don't have the expanders in and you look at, at it for the first time it's almost indented. I just thought I'd wake up and I'd be flat, but I wasn't flat. I was I looked like somebody played golf yeah. on my chest. I really didn't like right. it. But the expanders give you that little bit of of you know filling so you don't wake up quite as is, it does, it's not as scary. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah, And that was, we I had to wait because of my radiation. They wanted to give me a year before they tried the implants just to make sure my radiation side healed properly. but right. um, so, okay, carry on, sorry.
2: Um, so it, anyway, it it really I was able to just get back to my regular activities. i I did very well with my surgery. I had no complications, and I hear about people that have had complications from their surgery and their expanders and their implants. And I'm just very fortunate that that part of my treatment went really easy. Um, and as I say, I would have mastectomies any day over another dose of chemotherapy. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. that was a very simple surgery for me compared to my chemo. Um, and that I don't want to scare people either, but when you're going for a cure, this is what you have to go through. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and I guess, you know, I think anybody who has any kind of a commute to see their plastic surgeon should certainly address the idea of, um, of having these air expanders. And just because it was so convenient and so easy for me, um, and I think for most people, that have them, that it, it certainly is worth addressing and to see if your doctor would be at all interested in getting further education about this. Um, you know, it's just progress in medicine. And really, personally, I see this as the, the wave of the future. Um, it's so convenient. It cuts down doctor time. It cuts down pain for the patient it just seems like it's a convenient way to go and i think as time goes on and they can bring the cost down of the manufacturing of these um hopefully it will be an option for every woman who goes through that if that fits into their lifestyle
1: yeah that um, seems
2: like a seems like a, a,
1: a such a logical smart thing you know that they've created yeah. here i have a question on the uh, you you said something about when you had the expanders put in, there's a wand, and you just kind of, like like the curtain or the the ceiling fan kind of concept, and then it pumps. So the, the cartridge is inside this thing, right? The and it's cartridge just part- is inside the implant. Okay, and then this wand, uh, the is expander. it something, is the wand something that's just kind of hanging out all the time, or do you attach it? Again, probably no, no, a dumb no. question, you but...
2: Just, you just carry it around in your purse or your oh, okay. overnight bag or wherever, okay. you know, I mean... You just carry okay. it with you. Um, well you don't have to carry it with you. I mean if you're, if you're at going home, to expand yeah. at home. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But I was I was able to go to the plant. They invited me down to the plant to talk to them and I got to see them manufacturing these. And there actually is like um I don't know the lingual but like a microchip in the expander itself which communicates with this wand. And so um, it's you know, it's like just like a remote. I mean, another way to think of it is like a remote start for your car. Oh, it's a so it's not actually connected.
1: To, it's not connected to the to the expander or to your. It's no, it's
2: just. Oh, that's cool. No, no, you just. I mean, you can set it on the counter and you know, go to a movie and you come back and you lift it up and hold it over your chest and push the button and oh, it sends you a merry tune cool. after it's done. It's really fascinating. Yeah. Um, wow. It just
1: sounds so easy, doesn't it? I, I, I love that. So what did you like most about using, using this device? I mean, I, I think I kind of already got the gist of it. You can live your life normally, it sounds like, and, and then just... Yes. Yeah. It's,
2: when you go through this process, you are constantly at doctor's offices. And mm-hmm. to finally be at the point where you're still under treatment... But yet, you're not going to the doctor's office every week. I mean, think how liberating that is to just say, I don't have to go to the doctor's office for the next three months. You know, that's a very um, liberating thought. Um, Yeah.
1: Well, I know you're in Tucson right now. Are you, are you, is there something in your procedure that brought you there, or are you just there because it's cold in Fairbanks? I
2: am here purely on vacation to do hiking and biking and. Um, oh, that's Just great. enjoying the sunshine. That's wonderful.
1: I'm very proud of you. That's great. And, I mean, you're just still such a recent survivor. I mean, really, in the big scheme of things, it's not like you're years out and you sound so great. You really do. So well, now I that really you've completed this. Oh, I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. No,
2: I just said I feel, I feel really good now.
1: I can tell. I can hear it in your voice. And I just, you know, we're going to run out of time here in a minute, so I want to ask you two last questions. Now that you've completed this breast cancer process, you had your final surgery, are you
2: pleased with the outcome? I'm very pleased with my outcome. Um, You know, like I told you earlier in the show, I went for a smaller size than what I had been before. Mm -hmm. You know, I was always a person that had to wear a bra all the time. I don't ever have to wear a bra again, and I'm pretty happy about that. <laughs> that is a, that is a nice perk of those, isn't it? It's an answer, right? It's a very nice perk of that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm very happy with my results. Um, I know that not everybody has as easy of a, a surgical path as mine has been. I've got friends who have been through it that have had problems but mine actually was was very easy, um, and I'm very happy with my reconstruction, um, and I'm glad I chose reconstruction.
1: Good. Um, well, I know it's a tough. It's a tough thing to get through, and especially for someone who's just starting. You just got the news. You're just starting on your your plan with chemo and all that. It's really. It's very very difficult, and and I know you're not saying it was easy at that point. But the fact that you're through it now, you know there is light at the end of this tunnel, and you've come through that tunnel brilliantly and so i'm really i'm so happy for you katie it sounds like you found yeah. a really good match i have one last question you have you have 30 seconds to answer this okay what is your biggest personal takeaway from your breast cancer journey like in a nutshell
2: um to live to live the fullest that i can and just to try to be positive and optimistic i don't take mm-hmm my course as completed. I mean, yes, I am a survivor, but until I am 5, 10, 15 years out, it's hard to think of myself as really being a true survivor. Well, I think you are. (laughs) I think you are very clearly a survivor. Yeah, but you just don't, I mean, I just don't know. I don't have breasts anymore. I can't have mammograms, Um, you know.
1: Well, there's a blessing in that. I'm I'm okay well, with that.
2: There,
1: <laughs> I do there pet scans the, once a year, but you know what? We well, actually have to go. Okay, we have we, ha- we okay. have we have to end. I'm so sorry. This has been such a okay. great conversation. Um, Katie, thank you for being with us on the show today. I do want to remind people that um, we do have a brand new app that's available on Google Play and on the App Store. It's called Breast Friends App. Please download it. If you already have, make sure you do the update because we found a glitch and it's been fixed now. Uh, And we will be back next week. Until then, remember, there is always hope and we're here to help you find it.
0: Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio.